Good morning. All right, so I got a little story I want to share with you that happened this week. So here I am, I'm teaching, and, and you know, here it is, and I'm going to be honest with you, I, I teach and preach the, pretty much the same way, and I get a little animated and a little excited, and, you know, you guys kind of, somebody chuckled at me last week when I kind of jumped. Well, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm lecturing the other day, I swing my hand like this, and as I swing my hand like this, I smack my hand off the edge of the demonstration table, yeah, and I cut my hand and it hurt. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, it was one of these numbers. I was like, oh, that hurt. And I went and I sat down at my desk for a minute, but I really wanted to cry. So this is a dangerous sport. This preaching and teaching is kind of dangerous. All right, good morning. All right, the title of today's sermon uh, is flawed. And um, I want to share with you um, a, a definition right off the bat of the word flawed. And a definition of the word flawed is blemished, damaged, or imperfect in some way. So if the, the reality of this is if part of, the, if part of the definition is imperfect in some way, then I'm pretty confident that all of us could be slightly flawed. Now, I was looking for like, you know, sort of a signature slide for the sermon. So I was looking for a picture that would kind of be, you know, what is the... Uh, the idea that I want to convey, and I came across this slide right here. But I'm not going to share anything with you about this slide yet, because as I was coming across this slide, I came across this next slide, and I, you got to give me a little loving here. Uh, what's an egg's favorite tree? It's a yolk tree. <laughs> All right, well, then, have, okay, okay, I figured if I didn't get a laugh with this one, maybe I could at least get a laugh with the next one, so here we go. Uh, we'll try We'll try one more, one more. Why did the Easter egg hide? Because he was a little chicken. <laughs> All right, probably a good time to pray. Here we go. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that we can come together, and Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that today we can kind of examine this idea of flawed, um, because it, all of us in some way, God, are slightly flawed. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that's okay, but at the same time, it, it is something that we deal with. We all in here have our imperfections. And Heavenly Father, the beautiful thing about this and the, the item that I hope is conveyed before the end of the sermon is that even some of the most famous people in, in, in the Scriptures, even some of the most famous characters that we talk about, uh, they were flawed. And, but yet you loved them anyway, and not only did you love them, but you helped them mature, you helped them develop, you helped them grow. And Heavenly Father, my prayer is right at the beginning of the sermon, that you will do that for all of us. That every single one of us in here, no matter what our flaw, that you will help us. That you will help us to develop, that you will help us to mature, and ultimately that you will help us to bear fruit. And to bear fruit in such a way um, that we can be productive for you. We thank you, Lord. I'm thankful for everyone that is here. I'm thankful for this country. I'm thankful that we can edify one another, that we can look at the Scriptures. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. 
All right, so I want to come back to this um, picture just for a minute, and I, I don't know, I just want to look at it for a second, because I'm going to say that this is us. I'm going to say that we are all just a little bit flawed. That Now, and, and I want you to understand what I'm talking about, too, right off the bat here. I'm not talking about the gap in your teeth. I'm not talking about your cow lick that you can't get to comb out. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, your physical imperfections. I'm talking about the things that we struggle just a little bit with. Um, and in this sermon, in this sermon, we're going to discuss some different things, but, but here we go. How many of you are familiar, at least familiar, with Hebrews chapter 11, and you know that Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith? How many of you have heard Hebrews chapter 11 referred to as the Hall of Faith? Okay, I'll list some characters very quickly, and you can just kind of signify whether you've heard of them before. How many of you in here have heard of Abraham? How many of you in here have heard of Jacob, Esau, Gideon, Samson? I guarantee if you've been in our Wednesday night Bible study for the past, because just last week we did lesson number 15. So if you've been in our Wednesday night Bible study, we've had, we have examined all of these characters for the past 15 weeks. And um, we have looked at men and women, we have looked at men and women that did very, very, very wonderful things, but at the same time, definitely had some flaws. Definitely had some flaws. In fact, I came across this slide, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, they were beautifully flawed. How many of you, if you were being honest, you would admit that when you look in the mirror, like when you're getting ready, how many of you would admit, no, you don't have to, I mean, that's not what I'm asking for right now, but how many of you would admit that there's probably something about yourself that you don't like? <laughs> he says he quit looking a long time ago. You know, and then it's funny. I mean, I'll never, I'll, I'll, so here it is. I'll share. So, so, so one day, here I am. I'm getting ready for school one day. Well, if you're in our bedroom, we have a mirror on the wall. There's like a mirror right here on the wall. But the dresser is back in here, and it's got like those trifold mirrors on it or something like that. And anyway, make a long story short, I'm getting ready, and I'm looking in the mirror. And as I look in the mirror, I come at just the right angle, and I'm looking, but I'm looking in this mirror, but I'm actually looking in that mirror. And as I'm looking in this mirror, which is looking in that mirror, I'm thinking, whose head is that? I'm serious. It was like an epiphany. It was like, whoa, you have no hair on the back of your head, son. Now, in this sermon, I want you to consider something. I want you to consider this, and I mean this 100% absolutely sincerely. When you look at your children, when you look at your children, or you look at your grandchildren, what do you see? 
you see beautiful, beautiful people. Amen? That's the way God sees you. That's the way God sees me. That's the way God saw every single one of these people in Hebrews chapter 11. He knew their flaws. Come on, he knew their flaws before he picked them. In fact, they were flawed before he even chose them. They were beautifully flawed. And I, if I take an extra second or two for that this morning, then that's fine with me because I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that life's hard enough the way it is. Life's kind of hard. Life can be kind of difficult. And every once in a while, we can be kind of hard on ourselves. God loves you just exactly the way you are. Amen? Every one of these characters were beautifully flawed. And how do I know that? Look at this verse right here. In Hebrews 11 and verse 38, the Bible says the world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of them, even though, now here we go, even though, look right here, even though some of them had patience issues, some of them had anger issues, and some of them had self-confidence issues. Now, you know what's kind of funny? I think what's kind of funny sometimes if we're not careful, and I'm just throwing this out here, and you may agree with me and you may disagree with me, but here's what I think is kind of funny. We focus sometimes on like these really, what we call these really big sins, or these really glaring sins. But that's not what life is. Life is really not a big old bunch of, a big old bunch of these big, you know, I'm pretty confident, I'm pretty confident that most of you in here probably never killed anyone. Didn't mean you didn't want to. I'm pretty confident that a lot of you in here probably never stole anything. I'm pretty confident in here that a lot of you have always honored God. But I'm also pretty confident that there's probably somebody in this room, probably myself, who isn't very patient. I'm pretty confident there's probably somebody in this room who has a little bit of a temper. I'm pretty confident that there's somebody in this room, especially on number three, that maybe isn't as self-confident as they should be. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Why would Satan want you to be confident? Now, I'm going to tell you something else, and this is the honest-to-goodness truth. When I sit here for the 10 minutes before... 10 to 15 minutes before I get up to preach, if you were to reach over and feel my chest, my heart's going like this. And Jamie would tell you something else. She would tell you that my leg is going like this. Now, how do I know that? Well, i tell you how I know it, because she reaches over and puts her hand on it. You know, and I don't know when that's ever going to stop. In 12 years, it's never stopped in 12 years. And I don't know. Why is that? I don't know. But I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I can tell you that not every sermon that I've delivered has been a home run. And I can also tell you that there have been some times where some people have come out and I know that I've been able to touch someone's life in a positive way. Does that make sense? And I know this. I know that if I can do it, you can do it. Because the reality of this is, I was not an extrovert when I was growing up. I was not somebody who wanted to be up on the stage or whatever the case may be. But I know this. I know that when push comes to shove and it's time to get the job done, what do you do? You get up and you do what? 
you get the job done. Amen? Amen. Now, there's a verse, and I want to just continue the thought just for a minute. Take a look at this verse, if you would. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. He does not like haughty eyes. He does not like a lying tongue. He does not like hands that shed innocent blood. He does not like a heart that devises wicked schemes. Now, why are you showing me this, Tim? I thought we were going to talk about patience, and I thought we were going to talk about anger, and I thought we were going to talk about self-confidence. Well, we are, but my point is there's lots of little things God doesn't like. Now, I understand if, you, if your hands shed innocent blood, we wouldn't consider that to be a little thing. But what about haughty eyes? What if I look down on someone? The Bible says God doesn't like that. Number two, what if I have a lying tongue? What if you ask me a question and I tell you an absolute lie? The Bible says that God doesn't like that. This is David speaking in, this is David, David, a man after God's own heart. Uh, verse 3, hands that shed innocent blood. 4, a, a, a heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. Six, a false witness who pours out lies. And look at number seven, a person who stirs up conflict in the community. This comes from Proverbs chapter 6. God doesn't like any of these things. And none of these things up here look like they're all that major, but yet it's the sum total of all the little things that finally add up. It isn't necessarily always the big things in life that trip us up. Which one do you think I'm going to start with? Oh, I don't know. Can you take a guess? Which one? Patience. How many of you in here? How many of you in here already know? Now, how many of you in here already know you need to be more patient? How many of you in here? How long are you willing to wait in a drive-thru? <laughs> can I say that even though you get the privilege of preaching, can I say that, here it is, do you think that I have ever been impatient? And the answer is yes. My mom's really shaking her head. <laughs> Here it is. It's one thing to say that God's timing is perfect, and it's another thing entirely to live your life in such a way that you allow God to have His timing. There's been many times in life, I do believe God's timing is perfect, but there's been many times in life where I've gotten myself ahead of God's timing. All right, I want to share this with you now. Here we go. Right there on the screen. You don't have to get your Bibles. I put it right there for you. Here it is. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Okay, now my question to you, because here it is, here it is. So, 
Abraham is married to Sarai, and God says to Abraham, I am going to make you the father of many nations. I am going to make you into a great nation, and your descendants will be as numerous as the sands on the seashore. But it was a little slow in coming. So Sarai says to Abraham, why don't you sleep with my handmaiden? Maybe she can get pregnant, and maybe we can start a family. So she does, and he does. Now, my question to you, here we go. What's the name of the young man that comes from this union? His name is Ishmael. And what did the Bible say about Ishmael? Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before we go to that, let's call time out for a minute. And let me ask you a question. If God tells you that he's going to do something for you, is he going to do it for you? So what'd they do? They got a little what? Very good. They got a little impatient. And when they got a little impatient, they got a little bit ahead of God. And every one of us in here can get a little bit impatient. And every one of us in here can get a little bit ahead of God. And they got a little bit ahead of God. And when they got a little bit ahead of God, they had a young man and they had a son and his name was Ishmael. You know what the Bible says about him? The Bible says he would be a wild donkey of a man. And he would live in conflict with all of his brothers. Now, I want you to consider something. I want you to consider the results of this. And I want you to consider what's going on in that country and in that land, even yet today. For all intents and purposes, the birth of Ishmael is the birth of the Israeli-Arab conflict that's still going on today. What happened? What happened is there was a repercussion for getting impatient. How many of you believe that if, when we get impatient, there may very well be a repercussion for our impatience? Now, I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself here. Did God still use Abraham to do mighty works? Okay, well, here it is. If there's somebody in this room today and you know that you're highly impatient, God can still use us to do mighty works, but here's my question, and, I, and, and, and I'm going to ask this about each one of these characters. Do you really think God wanted Abraham to sleep with Hagar? What do you think we're going to talk about now? Anger. Would it interest you to know... Here we go. You might look with me here. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. 
he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Hey, would it interest you to know that it sounds like to me, when you really read about Moses, it sounds like Moses had just a little bit of a temper. Now, you say to me, well, now wait a minute, Tim. He saw the Egyptian beating the man, and he went out there and he protected the man. Well, what's interesting is, is when we really read about Moses as a whole, let's read another example. Same chapter, same chapter. Now, a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away. But Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flocks. Now, you, are, are you looking? A priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they, so the seven daughters had come to water their flock, and when they got there, there were some other guys that weren't going to let them do it. So what did Moses say? He got mad. He got angry. Now, you say, now, wait a minute, Tim. You say, both of these appear to be justified. Okay, perhaps so. Let's go to the third example. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. How many of you remember a couple of weeks ago when we had the sermon of striking the rock? Now, here are three different examples, three different examples of Moses. And in each one of these examples, here's what happens. He gets upset. And he gets mad. And he does something. Now, my friends, what was the result? What came out of this last example? What came out of this last example? What happened after Moses hit the rock? What did God say to him? He said, you will not be allowed to go into the promised land. Now, i got to tell you, of all the examples we're going to look at today, that one always kind of resonates with me. Now, I know John says, he says, well, Moses' time was over, and it was time to go from having kind of a father-type figure, because Moses was an older gentleman. It was time to go to Joshua, who was a warrior. But I'm still struck. Hey, every time I read this, I am still struck by the fact that Moses does not get to enter the promised land. Listen, Moses was no doubt a great man. Moses is no doubt worthy of the accolades that we give him. Moses is no doubt worthy of being in Hebrews chapter 11, which is called the hall of faith. But Moses appears to have possibly had a little bit of an anger problem. Now, one of the things about church, and maybe you would agree with me here with what I'm about to say, and maybe you would disagree with me, but one of the things about church is it's supposed to be a collection of people who come together from diverse backgrounds 
with the same focus and the same goal. And isn't one of our focuses and one of our goals to help each other lead better lives? Would you agree with that? Aren't we here to edify one another, to lift one another up, but yet at the end of the day, you know, Jamie and I, and I, I'm not going to embarrass her, but I'm going to say this. You know, obviously she's my wife, and, uh, and she and I are tall, although she's not sitting with me today. Did you notice that? I may be in the, I may be in the doghouse. I'm kidding. She's sitting with her dad. All right, so here it is. We were talking about today, you know, this morning, and how many of you in here, uh, just be honest, how many of you in here just feel like life is terribly busy? How many of you in here feel that, honestly, quite honestly, life can just be a little bit, honestly, a little bit stressful? Yeah, me too, brother. How many of you would also say that life can just be a little bit frustrating? You know, you can say what you want to about me, but I went to that meeting the other night out at the high school where they're talking about, you know, and I know it doesn't concern Mitchell, but they're talking about closing down some of the country schools and, and doing things like that, you know, in Lawrence County. And, and I just left that meeting, and I'd like to say, man, I really left that meeting feeling good. I didn't leave that meeting feeling good. I, I left that meeting feeling bad. The reality of this is, is that I'm an imperfect human being living in an imperfect world, and sometimes I need to know what God thinks about that. I need to know what God thinks about my imperfections. Does he think I'm flawed? Does he think I'm ugly? Or does he think that I'm beautifully flawed? Does it, is he going to use me? Can he use me? You know, can he use me with these imperfections that I have? Because you want to know the interesting thing about it? We, we can say something to Abraham about not being patient, but there have been times in my life I haven't been patient. We can say things to about Moses about getting angry. How many of you in here are like me? How many of you in here would love to reach out and be able to take back some words that you've uttered off of your tongue over the course of your life? Because when they fell off your tongue, they fell off an angry tongue. The reality of this is, is that sometimes sermons like this, I think, are some of the most important sermons because they're the sermons where we get to find out that even some of the most famous people in the Bible were flawed, but God still looked at him and he loved them and he thought they were beautiful and he used them. Every single one of you in here are flawed. You're like that cracked egg. I'm sorry, but you are. And that, and, 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 but the reality of this is, God still wants to use you. He used Moses to take the people across the plains of the desert. He, Abraham, Abraham became the father of many nations. What's the third flaw I want to look at today? Because I think the third flaw is kind of prevalent um, in, in, sometimes. And, and I think it's kind of a shame. Um, I really do. What, what do you think? What do you think? You're looking at the picture and you listen to my introduction. What do you think the third flaw we're going to talk about is? What, what is it? Self-confidence. Very good. Self-confidence. And, you know, I see it every day. I see it every day because I teach adolescents. But, uh, you know, it, it, how about, how many of you remember this? And I don't know if you're movie buffs or not, but how many of you in here watched the movie Hoosiers, remember the movie Hoosiers? How many of you enjoyed the movie Hoosiers? All right, well, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but how many of you remember Ollie? Do you remember Ollie? By the way, Ollie is a guy that grew up in Indianapolis. He's only been in one movie, and that one movie was Hoosiers. 
And what was Ollie's claim to fame in the movie? He hit a winning what? He hit a winning free throw, but how did he shoot that free throw? Do you remember? Are any of you in here? I may get, may get myself in trouble by asking this question, but are any of you in here old enough that you, that's the way they actually shot back when you played ball? Are you? Did they do that when you, when you played ball? Grade school. All right, all right, all right. They got past that by the time you got a little older, huh? All right, and, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, here's what I'm talking about. Ollie is the guy in the movie that we always called him when I was growing up. We called him Granny Shots. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But Ollie is the guy in the movie that shot the Granny Shots. But Ollie is also the guy in the movie that when the coach told him to go in, he looked at the coach and he didn't want to do what? He didn't want to go in. And when Gene Hackman, and you got to admit, Gene Hackman, he's a good actor. Or Gene Hackman makes a good coach. And when he says, and, by the, and after Ollie hits his free throws, you remember that? And he's talking, he said, and by the way, you will hit your free throws. Very famous biblical character. Look at this. And you're going to think I'm making fun of him, and may, I, don't, I don't want to seem like I'm making fun, but I wonder sometimes how I should read this. Should I read it? You know, it says, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. How, I mean, how should I, should I read it like, you know, My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my clan. Nah, I don't think I should make fun of Gideon. I think Gideon didn't have a whole lot of self-confidence. And I think Gideon didn't want to lead these people. And I think that Gideon was like a lot of other people if we're not careful. Hey, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says if God, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And this interesting thing about self-confidence is, is that it, it's not relegated to young people. Come on. Oh, I know. Right now, I'm just talking to the teenagers in here, right? No, I'm talking to everybody in here, because everybody in here can do something mighty for the Lord. How many of you would be confident right now, confident enough that if I asked you to come up front and show us how to dance, you'd do it? (laughs) Okay, I understand. I understand. I do. I understand. But I understand that we're talking about self-confidence that keeps you from doing something that God wants you to do. God will give you the confidence to do what it is you need to do. He will give you the strength. Look at what Moses said. And I know you think, well, we're double dipping on Moses. Yeah, I'm going to double dip on Moses for a minute. Look at what Moses said. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I am slow of speech and tongue. And then, you know what? I guess I'm going I'm to triple dip on Moses here because look at what he says next. Please send someone else. 
I'm going to tell you right now, brothers and sisters, and you do with this as you please. If God has laid a calling on your heart, if God is telling you that there is something that you need to be doing, if God is telling you that there's something that He wants you to do that's going to push you out of your comfort zone, if God is telling you that He wants you to achieve, then I'm here to tell you right now, do not doubt Him. He will help you achieve. He will help you spread your wings and you will soar just like an eagle, my friends. And He will make you successful. Now, you may not be successful right off the bat, maybe that's not his timing. But God can make you successful. How many of you in here believe that? Come on. How many of you in here believe that God can make you successful? How many of you in here believe that God can help you achieve? How many of you in here believe, and I'm just wondering, I'm, I'm being serious, you know what? Satan would love nothing more than for you to lack self-confidence. Satan would love nothing more than for you to say, well, I can't do that. There may be a gentleman in here. There may be a woman who wants to do something. This it may be a young child. Oh, my goodness. There are all kinds of things in life that sometimes we don't do because we are afraid. God can give us the strength to be just like these characters in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've given you the results of Abraham. The results of Abraham are a conflict that's still going on today. I gave you the results of anger. Now, what are the results of this lack of self-confidence? Well, you want to know what's interesting is God actually got upset in this particular instance. He sort of raised his voice a little bit, and he got a little bit sharp. And you know what he said? I'm sending you. Go. Enough. That's it. Zip it. Now, here it is. What's the point of today's sermon? Well, and I'm almost done, so if you check it out, here it is. Let me tell you what the point is in it. Okay? And I know you think that's kind of funny because I'm going to tell you what the point is, but I'm going to tell you what the point isn't. Okay? Let me tell you what the point isn't. The point isn't when dad, and I guarantee this happened at some point in time while we were raising our kids, dad got upset with Braxton or Tristan and yelled. Well, that's probably a lack of patience, and quite frankly, that's probably some anger. Or maybe I got a hold of them at one point in time, and maybe I spanked them. Because you know what? I spanked my children. I mean, I'm, you may agree with me, you may disagree with me, but here's the reality of it is. The reality of it is, I may have very well got a hold of them at one point in time and spanked them out of anger instead of spanking them out of love. I've jerked just a couple of kids out in the hall over my 27-year tenure. And we've had a couple of, as, as you often hear them referred to, we have, you know, some come-to-Jesus meetings every once in a while, yes? Okay, the reality of it is, I've probably handled some of those. I've probably handled some of those pretty well. And there may have been a time or two, early, especially early on in my career, where I didn't handle that so well. 
Maybe every once in a while at a basketball game, maybe I should have been a little quieter. I'm not going to use your examples because I'll go ahead and use my examples. But here's what I'll say. What I will say is this. God doesn't like it when we lose our temper. God doesn't like it when we're impatient. And God doesn't like it when we don't rely on Him when He tells us that He can help us do something. So the point of this sermon is not, hey, here it is. The point of the sermon is not, hey, Abraham, I'm happy with you because you slept with Hagar. The point of the sermon is not, Gideon, I've told you this four times now, how many signs do you need, son? The point is not, Moses, you know what? Your anger just continues to get you in trouble. The point is not, God is okay with that. The point is not that God's okay with that. The point is this. God loved him anyway. You and I both know there are people that don't come to church because they don't feel worthy. If coming to church is based on worthiness, then none of us are worthy. If coming to church is based on perfection, none of us are perfect. If coming to church is because you're this really good person that never does anything wrong, then there's no, that's, come on. I love you. You're good people. You're a collection of sinners, just like every other congregation meeting in this nation today. We're all a collection of sinners. And today we're talking about patience, we're talking about self-confidence, and we're talking about anger. And I've got a sneaking suspicion that those three things have tripped every single one of us in here up. The reality is not that God likes that. You know, we don't, we don't candy coat it and say, oh, God likes what you're doing wrong. The reality is God says, I love you anyway. And God says, I'm still going to use you. And God says... You're beautifully flawed. I wonder if we could ever get to the point to where we look at one another and say, you're beautifully flawed. Because the reality of it is, sometimes I look at you and sometimes you look at me and you don't like what I do, so ergo, you don't like me. Or I look at you and I don't like what you do, so ergo, I don't like you. I'll magnify your flaw and minimize my flaw. When the reality is, we're all beautifully flawed. And then I got one more slide that I want you to look at. And this is what I think. And you can agree with me or you can disagree with me. But here's how I think it worked. Okay? Here's how I think it worked. So, so if, if Noble is Gideon, <laughs> then here it is. He didn't want to do it. But God did what? God used him anyway. And what did God do? He helped him mature. And he helped him bear fruit. Now what have I got right there? Come on, this is a farming community. I've got a stalk of corn and an ear of corn. 
Well, what is the whole purpose of planting that corn? The whole purpose of planting that corn is you're hopeful that it will eventually mature and that it will bear an ear. And you're hoping maybe a couple of ears. And you're hoping maybe you'll get a really good yield. And if you're a farmer, you're hoping you'll get a good yield and you'll recover your input cost and maybe you'll make a little money. But what is the whole point? The whole point is you didn't plant the corn crop so that it wouldn't bear an ear. You planted the corn so that it would bear an ear. You're hopeful that it will mature. You're hopeful that it will grow. You're hopeful that it will ultimately produce something. That's what God did with every single one of these characters that were beautifully flawed. And you know what I know? Here's what I really think happened. You know what I really think happened? And maybe I'm wrong, but here's what I think happened. I think that when Moses got to the end of his life, I bet his temper problem had improved. Gideon, go in the Bible and read about Gideon because the Gideon that you read about at the beginning is not the Gideon that you read about at the end. He's not Ollie that doesn't want to go in the game. He's shooting all over the court. Abraham messed up, and there was a repercussion. But God still helped him develop into the patriarch of his family and the patriarch of a nation. He doesn't excuse flaws, but man, he sure uses beautifully flawed people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for letting us be here today. And Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that you look at us and you see our flaws. And I'm not even saying that I think you necessarily excuse them, but yet you still use us. You help us develop. You help us mature. And ultimately, you help us bear fruit. If we will stay the course and do the best that we can and live a life of faith and service. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for that. Because that makes a place that is sometimes difficult to live in easier. It makes it to where we have hope. It gives us a reason for existence. Thank you, Lord. We love you. If there be anyone here today, Lord, that has not given their life to you, let today be a day where they make a life-changing decision so that they can truly understand how much you love beautifully flawed people. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Old story, how a Savior came from glory, how He gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about His groaning, of His precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior.
forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again, and caused the blind to see. And then cried, Dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. I then obeyed his blessed commands and gained the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood.